You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of Two and Out. It's Travis Curra, Brazilian Ty, and Sheldon Jones. Uh, the three-man booth, uh, I guess, was a uh, mediocre success last week. Sports Scallion on Podbean saying he loved it. So this is for you, buddy. We're going to do the three-man booth again. now. Th- Ty- thanks for making me cut my tea time short. <laughs> oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to move it to 3.30. <laughs> I do want, now this is heartfelt, I think. Uh, it was about a month ago when Ty let us know that it would be his last season on Two and Out. So uh, Michael Walker is a regular contributor to the show. He sends in emails, twoandoutcfl at gmail.com, and he wrote a poem. And it's called The Ode to Brazilian Ty. Sometimes when you have done all you can do, it's time to hang up the cleats. Admit that the zest for the game has waned and this season will be your last. Then the time has come to cast one's eyes back and savor victories past. Burger King's ravaged, McDonald's laid waste, and whatever that was at McMahon. When one cannot summon the requisite bile to hate Jason Moss's game plan, then it's time to go out on one's own terms, standing tall like a full-grown man. So we bid farewell to Brazilian Thai, grateful that time will spare us the haunting specter of diminishing zeal, but man will always have Andrew Harris. Thanks for all the laughs, Michael Walker. He fit a lot in there. I I appreciate the bile comment. (laughs) Like that is topical (laughs) and like a deep cut, literally. We love deep cuts on two and out. That that was not what I was expecting. I was expecting like you just to play Dennis Leary for the entirety of the song, and then we would just move on. So it, was, it was nice. It was a nice switch. If you see me with uh, the next episode with an acoustic guitar, you'll know what's going to happen. <laughs> Either that or smoke on the water. We only have uh, three games in the CFL this week. And uh, next week. Yeah, we're down to the final two game, two weeks of the season. It's week 20. All of these games have pretty healthy spreads uh, when it comes to the betting line. So I guess the big question, Sheldon, I'll ask you, are we going to see an upset this week, at least according to the betting lines? I don't think so, uh, but... Maybe, I don't. I think maybe the Riders have the best chance at a upset, just depending, <laughs> depending on who the Argos actually play. Uh, but because BC is going to be playing pretty hard to to keep that that thought alive that they could maybe get first, right? So they're going to play hard, I think. And Calgary sucks, except when they're playing the Riders. 
And I don't know. I, Edmonton could maybe too, actually. I don't know. I, I don't think so because the Winnipeg, if, if BC wins, then Winnipeg has to put down the hammer and, yeah. and, and finish it. Right. So I guess it depends on what happens in that first game. If there will be, I think. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, Calgary, BC, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, they've all got something to play for. Toronto doesn't. So that, I guess that weighs in uh, Saskatchewan's favor. But how many times since the winning streak start, or losing streak started uh, on the Banjo Bowl did we think, this is the week, the Riders are going to come out with emotion and physicality, and it hasn't happened. I, I don't think I ever did. Yeah, it I happened once. <laughs> it happened. It happened once when it shouldn't have. Yeah, I, and I, BC. I think that uh, I'm not sure that Calgary or Saskatchewan has what it takes to beat the backups of BC, Winnipeg, or Toronto. So, <laughs> and one of them's going to make it to the playoffs. So we'll, I mean, we'll I, I can see Calgary covering. Yeah, I could see that. Money line, money line, no chance. <laughs> it's Halloween blackout night at BC Place. The Lions hosting the Stamps. The spread is eight and a half points. And if Calgary wins, they can clinch a playoff spot. And that's combined in assuming that Saskatchewan loses. Uh, to, so if they win, they Toronto clinch here. a spot. <laughs> that's how I'm looking at it. Um, now, the BC Lions here... Vernon Adams Jr. has been practicing in full. We've seen a few times this season where he's limping around out there. The two games against Saskatchewan last week against Hamilton, Dane Evans, you know, comes in and finishes the job here. How do we balance the possibility, the outside shot of the Lions hosting the West Final, but also protecting your franchise QB going into the playoffs, Ty? I think... That, you know, if the game gets out of hand, I I don't see them leaving him in. If he takes a couple of big hits and he's limping around like that and, and they have a lead, I don't think they leave him in. Um, or a big enough lead. But if they're only up by a couple of points and he can kind of battle through, they have a bye next week. So, you know, if you have that chance to still win a football game, you kind of have to leave him in there on that outside chance that Winnipeg loses these next two. Um, but, I mean, if they're if they're getting throttled or... You know, if it's second half and they're down 10, I, I don't see a reason to keep them in. I'd rather have them healthy. Yeah, and suddenly Dane Evans has become one of the best insurance policies in the CFL, and this is why the Lions have signed him. And mm -hmm. we've kind of slagged on Dane a little bit, but as a backup with uh, Grey Cup experience, it's valuable to have there, Sheldon. You're wearing the Lions hat. Oh yeah, I have much more faith in the Lions than the Riders this week. So uh, I have much more faith in the Elks than I do the Riders at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, honestly, this is when Dave and, uh, Dane Evans is his best. Uh, we've seen before be. that when he's the starting quarterback, he's maybe not the best, but when he comes off the bench, he actually plays quite well. So uh, I think if, if, like Ty said, if if they get a lead or if Fernan takes a couple hits, I think Dane Evans can come in and still still seal the deal here against Calgary. Well, and even if he doesn't take those hits and they get up two mm -hmm. scores in that late in the third or fourth, they can they can take him out and make sure that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I guess because the Stamps offense hasn't really shown us anything that uh, they can consistently move the ball 
and get it done, especially through the air. Now, before we crap on them, we'll uh, give a congratulations to Jake Mayer and his wife, Amanda, for welcoming a baby girl into this crazy world. Some congratulations to to Jake, but there's a lot Enjoy never having here. free time. <laughs> or sleep ever mm-hmm. again. Uh, so congrats to Jake. He's going to be, because, I mean, both teams got a lot to play for here, and including a Canadian record. Matthew Betts is going to be looking for Jake early and often because he needs one sack to set the Canadian record for sacks in a single season. I don't know. I I feel like he's going to be giving it his all to get that sack early to make the record happen. He's had a remarkable season, and he might be the West nominee for most outstanding defensive player, Ty. To me, uh, it's still Demario Houston, just because, I mean, the amount that he has done and impacted the game. I know it was all early, but, I mean, that can't be discounted just because it hasn't carried as as much as we thought it would but i mean there's still those numbers um i think he's definitely bc's representative i don't think there's any question in that can he win moc or m most outstanding defensive player but not moc because i mean well brady olivera doesn't play defense so it's like in the nfl (laughs) it's like in the nfl the mvp can't win offensive player of the year right right which is Kind of weird. But he should. Yeah. But they, yeah. they they have to make it a separate award. Yeah. Congratulations to Reggie Bagleton. He's being recognized by the Stampeders for his work in the community. What a what a great guy, a great ambassador for the Stampeders and the league, as he has been uh, the 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 re- recipient of the Herm Harrison Memorial Award that was named on Tuesday, an award that started in 2013, honoring a Stampeders player for his outstanding community service. He leads the league in receptions this year. 82, he's got 1,054 yards. It goes without saying, and I feel like the Lions have shown that you can move the ball on them. You can score on them. Even Hamilton had success last week. Sheldon, I think if they get Reggie going, then the Stamps have a chance here. Like Tim White, he had, and he was my captain on my fantasy team, two touchdowns last week for the Ticats. It, it, it's imperative that Jake finds Reggie Bagleton to have a shot here. Oh, yeah. Any of the games that Jake has had a lot of success, it's because Bagleton's been the one snatching up all those balls. Uh, So him coming back is huge for them. Uh, They did have a lot of drops in the game against the Riders. So uh, getting Bagleton back on there is going to be perfect for Jake Mayer. And now Kadeem Carey Dealt with injury much of his season. 2022, he led the CFL in rushing. It seems like he has fresh legs. I don't know how do they get him the ball. They need to feed him the ball. He's fresh, and he carried them to the playoffs last year. He could carry them to the playoffs again this year. (laughs) All they do, they need to win here. Or next week and hope for a Saskatchewan loss. Uh, There's a lot going on here. For the BC Lions, Keon Hatcher is questionable. 
hasn't practiced this week. The good news for the Lions is that they have a lot of players that they can throw the ball to. I don't know. Is it good news for Hollins? Is it good news for Rhymes? Katoy, McKinnis, <laughs> legitimately on on. could be good news for all of them. Yes, yes. I have 19 in my lineup simply because I think that the Lions, uh, they, they want to at least give themselves a shot at hosting that West final. Mm-hmm. But even if Hatcher doesn't play, the Lions are in good shape, Ty. Yeah, that receiving core is like, it's probably one of the best we've seen in in like the last five, 10 years for sure. Uh, it's just one of those things where you, as a defense, you can game plan a little bit, and but you can only pick one or two guys to really focus on, and that just opens it all up for the guys that aren't going to be the focus, that that aren't going to get the double coverage, and, and they can set up routes for them. So, you know, sometimes when you have too many options, you don't have any, but BC has really figured it out. Now, last week, Jaquan Hardy got the start at running back for the Lions. He had uh, eight carries for 26 yards. Mizell has been practicing in full this week. The, the running game hasn't really been a threat at all for the Lions. Um, so we'll see if they get that going. I think VA, he's 400 and some yards in change from uh, eclipsing 5,000. And we've seen what these milestones mean to VA. I don't know. Maybe just going to abandon the running game and give him 35 pass attempts in the first half. Uh, just cr- try to get that <laughs> 5,000 yard mark for uh, Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, they mean a lot to him. Do they mean a lot to the coaching staff? Probably not. Um, the Argos, nine and a half point favorites as they visit Regina for the first time since winning the Grey Cup there last November. I guess the big question, Sheldon, for the Argos is who plays for how long? <laughs> if you're building a fantasy lineup, I don't know if it's uh, it's smart to pick an Argo. I got bit by this a couple weeks ago. Chad Kelly comes out, two-touchdown drive, and then just leaves the game. So it doesn't really, doesn't really matter there. But also, they've shown how much depth they have and uh i don't know if the riders at this point have shown that they have what it takes to beat even the argo backups no they they haven't shown anything uh they haven't shown what it takes uh, to be competitive no hey guys they went bowling though so that's good what's wrong with that nothing if you're an rmf team Oh, wow. <laughs> they got a wind-up before the end of the year. That's awesome. Coach Dickey's the best. Well, maybe one of the maybe one of the players at a birthday party at the bowling alley. What's wrong with that? Maybe. Hopefully they got cheese pizza and they were all happy. <laughs> Where were your birthday parties growing up? In Lloyd, it was like McDonald's. McDonald's. And then it graduated to probably Boston Pizza. And then your basement for chicken yeah. wings and... And wrestling. Yeah, 400 7-Eleven chicken wings. No exaggeration. No leftovers either. Pretty much the same, but we had Rutgers here. So it was Rutgers for quite a while. And then, yeah, six-foot party subs in the basement. Let's go. Nice. Yeah. Nice. When you come from a dual-income household, it's really easy to get the good stuff. (laughs) 
Wow, no, the sir, pity party's not... on. <laughs> there, there was no dueling coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what's what to, what's going to happen here. I do spoiler it have a couple Argos in my lineup right now, just because I I wasn't willing to go as far as I went last week when this Calgary didn't do anything. They it got me a nice score, sixty nine point seven, but nice. A whole nice. team getting that many points is pretty pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. The Riders aren't going to be fired up if if what happened last home game couldn't fire them up. I don't see how they could be fired up. According to Coach Dickinson, the other teams are already making them do Plan B and C, which is coaching, and apparently they don't know how to counter coach coaching. So. I'm not expecting a lot other than just to just make, chatting what with Phil all game. Yeah, What he's saying basically is that teams have figured out what we do and we're unwilling to change it. Yeah, so, like, exactly. So it's, if they're officially eliminated from the playoffs this week, and I know that uh, there's lapsing contracts for Dickinson and uh, O'Day too, I believe, the general manager, um, are, are they gone by the playoffs and officially announcing that, uh, you know, uh, the search is on for a new head coach and or general manager? Season ticket renewals, uh, the packages are out there for the riders. They've already sent in uh, letters to season ticket holders saying that we appreciate you. Please don't forget about us. We appreciate you. But I think... Uh, <laughs> Taking a page right out of the Winnipeg Jets playbook. <laughs> Knowing that a change is imminent... Uh, can go a long way with some upset uh, season ticket holders tie. Yeah, I, 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 I think even if the Riders make the playoffs, I still think that At the coaching point. staff has got to be overhauled. Um, but yeah, like being an Oilers fan and you know always wanting change, and then we you get it. But it was nine coaches or seven coaches in nine years, and and there was no continuity. It's like what is happening. I mean, the Riders have had the same coach, their same head coach for this is his fourth season, is it not? You know, and I think there was like, some continuity it, with the Riders staff because everybody yeah. is basically a leftover from not. I don't want to put it that way, but from the Jones uh, regime, yeah. uh, Dickey was yeah. on the staff. He he stepped in, so there has been continuity in Saskatchewan that yeah. way, right? And the results haven't been there, and then this year happens, and it's an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and I I just think with the fan base that is in Saskatchewan, they're okay with a rebuild, but you, you want to see results on this whole, like no effort, no fire. Like they're not, they don't want that. And it's going to fall solely on the coach and the GM. And if change might save some season ticket holders. Now it's all about being able to protect um, Jake Dolagala here and the Argos proved, even when they played Winnipeg uh, a few weeks ago, it was supposed to be the big showdown. They sat Sean Oakman. They sat some starting defenders. And they were able to hit Zach and get to him often. So the Argos have depth up front. And even if some of the heavy hitters sit, it just means a fresh defensive lineman is going to be in there stopping the run and rushing the quarterback. The Argos... And maybe this is because they've gotten up on teams. They've 
they've had some holes in the secondary at times. They've given up the most completions in the CFL. Their, their secondary has given up the best completion percentage to opposing teams. The only team over 70%, 71.3 against. Now, Jake is getting his detractors now uh, accused, well, and analyzed of, you know, locking in on his number one read and kind of staying with that. But <laughs> the Argos, they've been giving up yards through the air. They've been giving up... Uh, scores as well. So maybe there is an opportunity for the Riders if they come in with a good game plan because I do want to highlight Jamal Morrow over his past two games, 35 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns, and he added six catches for 58 yards. Are they going to be able to keep the running game rolling, Sheldon? Maybe. He's the only person on that team that actually seems like he cares. It, it's like putting Hickson in for the few games when he was banged up, like revitalized him somehow. Yeah, it just he's been running like he's on a mission. His cuts have been like really awesome. He's like, I I do have him in my lineup this week just because he's the only rider who's actually seems like he's giving it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm broken, man. I. I <laughs> I'm a broken rider fan, so <laughs> sorry I don't have more for you here. Hey, the, the Argos popped 40 on the Ottawa Red Blacks. I mean, <laughs> when they really didn't need to. Uh, Chad Kelly, 18-28, 287 yards and one touchdown last week. I guess one guy I'm looking at on the Argos, and, and we'll see what happens when they come out with the depth chart, but Deontay McMahon had five carries, 19 yards, and a touchdown last week. Um, Daniel Adebaboye got nine carries for 59 yards. It, I don't know. Is it smart to uh, pick a backup? Like, what's the best backup that we could... Uh, <laughs> Pick. Who's gonna Who's gonna have the uh, targets and the work this week against Saskatchewan? David Ungerer last week had seven catches for eighty three yards. Is he an option? Devaris Daniels had six catches, one hundred and forty one yards, and a touchdown. Maybe I'm stupid, Ty, but I I, I think the veteran <laughs> has maybe earned. Uh, uh, a smaller workload this week against Saskatchewan. <laughs> Unless Nick Marshall's covering him, because then you know where that ball's going. Get me in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's all it comes down to. What are the Argos uh, going to do? Hey, even the great Robbie Smith uh, had two sacks last week, returning to the scene of the crime last year's Grey Cup where he took a penalty, he blocked a kick. There was so much going on for Robbie Smith. What a fourth quarter. He, he went from scapegoat to MVP <laughs> in the span of a minute and a half. Talk about a roller coaster. So... Uh, yeah, just watch depth charts, and even then, uh, I feel like the backups will be getting more playing time for Toronto. I do have Deontay McMahon in my lineup simply because he's $2,800. And uh, <laughs> the Rough Rider uh, rushing defense has been suspect in this last uh, suspect. Last Thank you. Uh, third. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> Put the wrong emphasis. <laughs> last third of the season. Now, the last game of week 20, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 11 and a half point favorites over the Edmonton Elks. Now, here's the deal. 
If BC beats Calgary, do we see the Bombers resting guys, Sheldon? Uh, probably, but I'd st- I don't know. Like O'Shea is such a, a tough nut to crack. Sometimes, like they do, still have their bye. Uh, you don't want to sit players too early. Uh, at least get them like a quarter or a half, and then maybe put the backups in. I don't know. I, I, I don't actually, know. the Bombers got Calgary next week, so yeah. So I mean, they already have their buy. So I don't know if you want guys with two weeks. <laughs> like they have their buy for the first round if they clinch. I don't think you want guys having that much time off. Yeah, they It'll did that a couple like a years ago. And and if I remember correctly, <laughs> Saskatchewan turned the ball over six times and still lost. So <laughs> that just shows what the Bombers could do. Now, and, and maybe that is Calgary's path to the playoffs, where both Calgary and Saskatchewan lose this week. And then Calgary Winnipeg gets to play all the backups next week. Rests everyone, and Calgary wins like, 12-10. And Andrew, and I, Andrew and I mapped out the end of the season on Monday night at Brewhouse, and that was exactly what I said. I'm like, well, Saskatchewan <laughs> wins. Like, Calgary's just got to hope that Winnipeg rests everybody. They easily win that football game and they backdoor themselves into the playoffs. <laughs> what a way to get in. What a way. <laughs> and then watch them lose, and the Riders get into the playoffs with like a seven-game losing <laughs> that would be incredible. No. no, because then they'll Because win. then the fan base has false hope. And then we got to listen to them cry on CKRM, which, I mean, the post-game shows after a loss are the only post-game shows worth listening to. Because after a win, it's just not as fun. It's so good. It's so good. I don't know. It's quality entertainment, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just as convenience. Let's give a shout out to Winnipeg, and I I feel like Ty is going to come in at this one from multiple angles. Uh, the Jets had eleven thousand people in the stands the other day in a the, rank that isn't big enough to be an NHL rank. Just move and, the team back to Atlanta already. And the Bombers are trending towards another sellout. Now this is what winning does. That's the end of the story. At least I think the end of the sentence there. It just goes to show that, hey, the CFL can be big league in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Continually win. Like, this goes for Edmonton, and I think it goes for Calgary as well. It goes for the Lions. Consistently consistently put a good product on the field. And that's what the Bombers have done. And what an atmosphere and what a success story in the CFL in Winnipeg. It's wild. Like, what O'Shea has been able to do and Kyle Walters and that group, um, guys are taking pay cuts. Guys want to stay there because they're winning. And that's attracting more players to come there. It's easier to build a roster. You keep a roster together and then you can add pieces on the outside that complement that roster and you can keep championship teams together. Um, it's kind of a lesson to the rest of the CFL. Like if you can win, and and guys want to stay, you can keep a winning team on the field. You don't have to be the Florida Marlins and blow it up after a championship or the 2013 Riders. Um, it's just one of those things where winning begets winning. And and if you can keep it up, yeah, they're gonna they're not gonna win every year. They're not gonna be in the Great Cup every year, but but they might. 
yeah. with, with, with the with the products that some of the teams are putting out there, it seems like it's a pretty easy path every year right now. Um, and it just keeps showing that, like, if they're going to sell out that stadium every every week, that's wild. Like, that's like when when the riders do it, it's expected, even when it's a crap product sometimes. And you saw that with the Oilers with the Decade of Darkness, they were still selling out games, and nobody knows why, but there was nothing else to do. Um, but it's summer in Manitoba. There's a million lakes there, like, but people are still going to this to this football to the football games because the team is that good. Yeah, I, I and it, it just and it, it helps continue the success because they're like, well, we can keep doing this, and the players love to play in front of packed houses, and and if they're winning, like, it, yeah, you want to make the money, but I, the money in the CFL that you're going to make is like it doesn't matter free agency or whatever. You can make that you make take a little bit less to stay where you can win. I I think that's why the riders need to go hard after Wade Miller after this year. Cause they I don't could think he's staying. Get, I don't Patrick think Patrick might fight him though. Or... <laughs> if that happens, we invaded the bomber party Labor Day weekend and Wade Miller, uh, tried to get the bartender not to serve my brother a drink. (laughs) And then we went in as double agents. (laughs) Well, Sheldon, did you mean Kyle Walters? Whichever one's uh, like, because one of them is. Walters is the GM and I think his contract is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Either. I don't care. They, they have a winning (laughs) culture that they have in Winnipeg and. They could bring it over here. I'm just imagining if the writers got both, what that would do on Labor Day. But now I don't know what Mike O'Shea wants. Palmer fans already piss on old Taylor Field. <laughs> What's going to change? Like, <laughs> do they? Does Mike O'Shea want the GM slash head coach role? Maybe he does. But we've seen what that has done to other teams: Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton. Now Hamilton's turned it around during the back third of the season, but there still could be changes if they only have a one and done in the playoffs in a great cup hosting year. But it is a lot to do the head coaching and the GM thing, but the paycheck's nice. The power is nice. Wow. Wow. We <laughs> still, if, uh, if Kyle Walters goes to Saskatchewan, and that would have to be their number one target if he is uh, available here. Uh, if we do just talk about this game, Dalton Schoen has been missing at practice. Um, but Rashid Bailey has had double-digit points against the Elks twice this season. And I just see if uh, if BC beats Calgary, Winnipeg's going to want to put this game away early, and uh, I think they'll be displaying their firepower in the first half. I believe Niles Morgan, starting middle linebacker for the Elks, uh, he's in danger of missing this game. To me, it just looks like all Brady, all Zach, and uh, let's let's put on a show here for our hometown crowd early, Ty. Yeah, I mean... Like we said, like they can rest guys next week, uh, to a point. And it's on the road, so and it's on the road. So, but your last home game, I mean, you don't you don't want to say like, yeah, you want to show up for the home crowd and you want to start your starters. It shouldn't matter. But those players want to play in front of their home, in front of the home home team fans because it's just it. 
you can just tell like they love being oh, out yeah. there. Like they get so much energy and just so much uh, jam from it. Like it, I, I, but yeah, I see them going up early and not letting off the gas. And maybe, maybe we see the backups come in in the second half and you know, it, it is what it is, but I, I can totally see them being up 30 at half. I think we've yeah. seen some times where O'Shea will let Zach play a little bit longer than maybe the, uh, you know, the armchair guy like you and I, <laughs> Sheldon, could see. He's, he stays in there long sometimes. I, I am in the middle of my Madden franchise, and I've built through the draft, and it's been amazing. And I'll be up 40 points and still running with my number one running back and then get mad when he gets injured and be like, oh, what the, uh, this game is against me. I, know, I could have just taken him out. I guess that's the risk. Hey, Sheldon, the balancing act at this point of the year. Yeah, well, and and you also have to deal with the quarterbacks who don't want to be taken out, right? Like, yeah, even in this mm-hmm. last Argos game, like you could tell Dinwiddie wanted to get Kelly out of there, but he was having no part of it, right? And then they even took him out for a play, and then he went back in. So, uh, Mike Mussina telling Joe Torrey to go back into the dugout. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, and Zach doesn't like to come out ever, right? So it'll be tough. To, it'll, it, interesting to see what Mike does here. Now, could this be Manny Arsenault's final game of his career for the Edmonton Elks? Uh, 9,177 yards, 58 touchdowns in his career, a CFL legend, a BC Lions legend. You know that the Manny show is going to get added to the wall in BC one day. And I feel like if this is his last game, we should all do it (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Good thing you're not here because I'd be licking your faces just like Bushwhacker <laughs> Luke. But uh, Manny is best, been best the Manny Rumble show. participant of all time. <laughs> 100%. Props to the Never Manny stopped. show if this is it uh, for a great CFL career. And hey, we got to mention Trey Ford started against the Bombers back in August, got up to a 22 nothing lead surprised everyone until the bombers woke up and Kenny the King mm, did the his elk, thing. Elk. Yeah, the Elks elked. <laughs> it's just that the bombers got a little bit more to play for this week. That's what mm-hmm. that's the bottom line here. And hey, Trey Ford could pull out a play or two here and and uh, really uh, get Elks fans excited for next year. I'm excited to see what next year looks like in Edmonton with Trey Ford getting the full training camp and uh, everything well, like that. Let's just, let's not jump to that because you know, Chris Jones could still screw that up. He could, he could. <laughs> we'll see what happens in uh, 2024, but it's, it's weird. I think at the beginning of the year, if you said the Elks would have the same amount of wins that they had in 2022, that it would be a straight-up failure. But somehow there's like some positive feelings going into the offseason for Edmonton. It's kind of weird, Sheldon. Well, yeah, it's weird because if they would have started Trey Ford a few games earlier, they'd be in third place right now. They would be. So I think Elks fans have to be still upset about that. Uh, But... I think you do once that once they won at home and they got that monkey off their back, I think maybe that helped a little bit with the softening on the let's fire Jones. We can't fire Jones because of the cap, but let's fire him. Uh, but 
yeah, because this is the first year where he's went somewhere and he hasn't had that year over year growth, right? So it's it's very interesting. It's uncharted waters for him, but they're not going to fire him. He's still going to have another chance. But if he if they win four or five games next year, then he'll be done for sure. Well, I mean, if they start zero and nine next year, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they just fix this rule in the offseason so the teams actually can make changes when they need to make changes. Do you think they will, Ty? They'll deal with the ops cap? I I think they should just scrap it. I do too. I'm fine with them having a cap if they're trying to limit what the teams are spending in a way so that they are not, you know, going out of business. But the penalties, like, you're already financially paying this coach – if you have to sign another coach, that's a that should be a penalty enough on a franchise who might not have money. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm not talking like MLSE because they don't care, right? But for the community owned teams, if they have to make a choice, that's yeah. gonna dip into their coffers, right? So that's if that's a making penalty. A team, making a team keep a coach strictly because it's in a it's a it's in a rule book about, you know, because it's gonna count against your cap still. Then you're not gonna let you're not you're hindering teams more than you are letting because they're not gonna improve that year. There's three three teams this year that probably could have or should have made a move during the season, but none of them could because of the stupid cap. But do you think teams need their hands held? Because either way, they're gonna pay the guy if they can't afford <laughs> it. They'll they'll keep the guy on anyway. So I, I guess that shows like just get rid of the cap, right? I mean, yeah, if no, you can't I, afford I, to pay three yeah. guys at if once, if you can't manage, if you can't manage your own money well enough to stay in business, that's on you. Yeah, that, that, I don't think that's the league's fault. No, uh, no, no. Each it's uh, team, a certain know? a certain president is the one who put forth this, so maybe he should learn to limit somebody coach and all the money that he's spending. Who did it? Reynolds. Because of Jones. <laughs> Reynolds is the one who went to the Board of Governors and said we need an ops cap. And said we need an ops cap. Because, because of his I own can't. team? Yeah, because I can't I can't limit I can't my afford own this. <laughs> That's why he's the one who should be fired first before Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day. But now it's all three of them should be gone. Fantasy this week. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those Tough weeks. Uh, I would say that my team uh, looks like an all-star team because it includes Kadeem Carey, Dominic Rimes, Sean Bain Jr., Brady Oliveira, Zach Kolaros, and I've got McMahon at uh, running back as well, and I have the Bombers defense. Uh, 500 bucks left over, but <laughs> sometimes playing time just screws these up, man. Sheldon, what's yours look like? Uh, because they're the cheapest, I have the Riders' defense. I'm not going to score points there, but uh, <laughs> Vernon Adams, AJ Olette, as of right now, like because you know if he's going to be playing, he didn't play last week, so I think they are going to play him this week. And if he's playing, I got to have him on my team. I do have Jamal Morrow right because, here. like I said, uh, he needs to, or he's the only one who shows like they care or he cares. So hopefully he can score some points. Dominic Ryan's, uh, Hollins, and I got Neeld as my flex because I think he'll probably get a look there. What about you, Ty? Uh, Kalaros, Carey, Oliveira, Lawler, Bagleton if he plays, uh, Hakanavanu in my flex. And I figure like, if 
Bagleton doesn't play. I've got 11.5 to play with. Um, and I got the Bombers defense against the Elks. I got to wish uh, Ryan Cooper of the Canadian Football Countdown a big congratulations for winning the CFL Podcast Fantasy League this year. And with his winnings, he has donated uh, the money to the Children's Rehabilitation Foundation in Winnipeg, a worthy cause. Congrats to Ryan for the big win. I will have it be known that uh, I have the highest score in that league. So uh, I'm just putting that out there into the universe, even though it doesn't matter. The the Vancouver Canucks scored eight on Wednesday, and they're not going to do a damn thing, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Damn you, Ty. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The Lions, Argos, and Bombers. Are we all in agreement on the winners in Week 20? It is decided. This is the way. (laughs) <laughs> you can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can like or comment on YouTube as well. Support the show on Patreon. Well, there it is. Week 20 of the CFL season is upon us. We will talk to you next week talking over, talking about what's, I guess, guaranteed to be the crazy happenings in the league this weekend. For Brazilian Ty and Sheldon Jones, I'm Travis Curra. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.